American dream is not dead. Listen to Neil and Jeff share their leadership experiences through a new kind of leadership podcast. This is The American Hustle. I'm leveled up. And this is my world. Good morning, afternoon, evening, wherever, however you are listening to us. Welcome to the American Hustle, where we believe the American dream is not dead. This podcast is about leadership, entrepreneurship, and just being a downright good human being. I am your host, Neil Simpson of SFJ4x4.com, and I am joined by our decorated, esteemed... Are you going to keep going? Maybe, maybe not. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. So I'm the producer, Jeff Shermani. Uh, and before I say anything else, I just want to point out, you're talking about doing good things, being a better person, and you're wearing a Captain America shirt today. So I am. Uh, I am. Good yes. on you on that. Thank you. The, yes. And, and and that is for Happy Birthday, America. That's right. We're celebrating the 4th of July. That's right. Uh, so, you know, this episode, we're going to be talking about some barriers of effective leadership. Uh, as always, at the end of the episode, we'll have a quote of the week. Before we get into that, though, take a moment, subscribe, give us that five-star rating, uh, ring the bell, just let us know how we're doing. Do all those things that that help spread the message and have that conversation uh, with others about the American hustle. <clears throat> as, uh, as, as we may or may not have, uh, have said already, episode number 16... That's right. So remarkable. I think we're there. Plus, we did a bunch of beta tests. So it's it's fascinating to think we're we're moving right along. 16 is roughly four months, you know, yeah. so we're moving right along on this. And if this is your first time joining us, we thank you for being part of this conversation. It is meant to be an organic conversation, compiling the combined 40 years of experience that Jeffrey and I both have uh, in business in nonprofit, in organizational leadership, and having natural conversations about concepts of leadership, entrepreneurship, and personal self-development, right? And it's meant to include you, our listener. So we always encourage you, and we'll tell you at the end of the program, how you can get involved and how you can uh, can can weigh in and, and share your thoughts with us. So make sure you stay tuned. For that. And speaking of, over the weekend, we actually got an email from one of our listeners uh, from Chip uh, giving another story in reference to our latest episode. So, oh, outstanding. It's really fun. Uh, we're we're going to share some of those in the future. Uh, I talked with Chip a little bit about that through email communication. And uh, I honestly think he's going to be one of our guests in the future when we start bringing guests on. Oh, that would be To wonderful. share some of his, his military experience and leadership. Sure, sure. And I think it was so interesting. Uh, because we did have a community event over the weekend where we hosted uh, people for our parent company, uh, SFJ 4x4, and we hosted them for a parade and celebration of 4th of July. And it was fascinating how many people have been reached by our podcasting, uh, which was a nice or a welcomed expression from, from them. Uh, but also people people expressing interest in furthering conversations with us, and yes. be it whether it's leadership or automotive, and uh, people with unique perspectives who are interested in you know coming on the program and becoming involved and sharing uh, their experiences. So I think that's that's excellent, and the reach is getting to people, and that's what matters. Yep. 
So we're going to be jumping back into barriers to effective leadership. And of course, the first episode uh, of this, this is this is number dose in a series yep. uh, of conversations about uh, barriers to effective leadership specifically. So we we attempted to define effective leadership some uh, in the the previous uh, in the previous session. And uh, and ultimately, that concept of appropriately supporting uh, your team and your efforts. Right. Correct. And we'd say that that's relatively the effective. That's the in a nutshell. And this series is, is specifically intending to talk about barriers and how we overcome those barriers, because. Right. I, I love the concept of failing forward. Uh, I love the concept of adapt and overcome. All of those things uh, through that process make us uh, stronger and the sense of accomplishment sweeter once we have overcome those uh, those barriers. So <clears throat> so the first one, uh, as far as barriers of effective leadership, you know, we define that that the concept of effective leadership. And we are obviously talking about uh, lack of team unity, poor communication. Uh, ego, ego, which is a huge one for yep. leaders, uh, not being able to delegate. Right? Delegation is hypercritical as you continue to grow. Yeah. Uh, I also I'll put an interesting perspective on that because delegation is one that challenges me often. And so I'll, I'll be uh, personally weighing in, you know, from from some challenges that I've experienced um, and then some other things, you know, other barriers as we as we come up but but ultimately those are going to be primary talking points i'm actually excited to talk to you about the delegation one because i'm going to loop it back to our 80 20 rule okay and and when we get to that i think you're going to sure. be very interested and that 80 20 just so you are all aware is somewhere like in episode one through five so I think. yeah and the, i think it was in the first it's called the pareto principle yep the pareto principle if if you're if you're not familiar i absolutely know that listeners have referenced the Pareto principle uh, to me. Oh yeah, and the value of that. And so, uh, and, and just to, yeah, I'll just give you the teaser that that arguably uh, the eighty twenty rule or the concept that uh, the minority of your business does the minority of workers do the majority of work within a business, um, and vice versa. So there's an interesting concept. But anywho, where did we leave off, Jeffrey? Where do you think we should pick up? So I think we're just going to start right into uh, how team unity can affect leadership. I think yes. uh, the the lack of team unity is one of the biggest barriers that you have to first overcome before you can even really become a good leader. Sure. And I think this is where my own personal experience, my own background is probably one of at least my my perceived strongest places because uh, because ultimately I have a significant background as an athlete, a competitive team oriented athlete. Right. And uh, I actually credit much of my leadership experience and abilities uh, on the, you know, on the playing field or on the court or something to that effect. And so the concept that uh, realistically, you have to work as a team to be successful. Correct. And uh, and with that said, I, I had a lot of remarkable coaches 
and uh, impactful speakers who who really helped lay that foundation for me as as you know as I was through those developmental years and kind of understanding what leadership and you know what my approach is going to be and it's really all about pluralism uh, so that's a big that's a big use that I, I talk about pluralism and uh, investment and so <clears throat> if I had to kind of draw upon the the biggest concepts for me when looking at a team environment it's pluralism and investment and what I mean by that is pluralism is is the concept and it's interesting we're, to talk about this it's going to be challenging for me to not address ego in it yeah. as well uh because obviously as a team player literally the concept of being a team player it means that you are amongst a grouping of relatively equals and some and some folks will be the quarterback and some people will be the linemen and some people will be the wide receivers of your organization your community group or your business but you're all relatively equals correct and so the concept of pluralism is the fact that when you are and this is genuinely one of my secrets to success folks when you are addressing others you utilize we us and ours correct and and that is if if you take nothing else from what i have to share with you in leadership in general we us and ours is the among the top concepts i ever want people to pick up on because you will only legitimate be as successful as the weakest link. We've heard that cliche since we were little kids. Oh, yeah. Right? And yet... They even made a game show out of it. Uh, without... <laughs> right? You are the weakest link. Goodbye. <laughs> uh, you know, the thing is, it's like, that's one of those cliches that it's it's completely legitimate, though. Yes. Right? And, and that ultimately, uh, as a leader... So first and foremost, when I... And I talk about how I set up my teams, I take complete and full responsibility as a leader for all of the individuals within my team. So if if you are a consumer and you had an unpleasant experience at uh, a, a service shop, uh, a retail outlet, a whatever, and you know you escalate your concerns and management comes in and they say, oh, well, that was so-and-so, and they're no good at what they do, and uh, they, they weren't ever a good worker, and we got rid of them. Okay, as a individual, that reflects poorly on you as the, as the management, as the executive leadership. Yep. Because you are the person who entrusted that individual to perform a task. That is one of the most frustrating scapegoats that our society has become acceptable with. Oh, well, they're no longer employed with us because they were a terrible employee. Or these small business owners who get onto social media and trash their employees and going, oh, they're lazy. They're not motivated. They're, they're, they're this, they're that. I'm going, that's a reflection on you. How do you not see that? Well, and oftentimes it's not that the employee comes in being lazy or being that. It's the fact that they weren't extended any trust. Correct. They weren't given any responsibilities. Uh, they were not mentored the proper way. And that 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 
flows into my concept of investment, Correct. right? So the we, us, ours, and investment. So the we, us, ours is about pluralism, right? Yeah. Making making the environment a shared community and then investment. So you thought highly enough as a manager, as an executive leader or, or whatever position you are within the business to hire this person in the first place. Yep. And then you didn't invest in them. See, and that's what's boggling to me is that if I'm going to hire somebody, I'm going to invest in them. Yep. And that's going to be one of my primary objectives to turn them into the employee that I believe they were going to be in that interview process. Correct. So if I'm uh, if I am on a, a a board of directors and we're a working board and we're trying to grow our nonprofit and we allow an applicant to join our board, uh, we're not just like willy nilly about that. Have some in intentionality and go, hey, I see the value of this person and therefore we're going to invest in them to attempt to get the return that we believed we were getting when we interviewed them, that we hired them, that we accepted their application onto this committee. So I'm going to take it another step further, too, because oftentimes as a leader, you're coming into a team that's already there. You're not necessarily hiring your own team. That's an interesting concept. And, and that is that is a, a appropriate clarification. That I think you're going to weigh in. I've built a lot of teams. Correct. You've inherited a number. So I, and I, I, I like that. I like that uh, that yin and yang in, in the perspective. And And my point to that is when you inherit a team, you first have to develop a relationship with all the team members. Yes. But there are things that you have to watch for. Unlike when you're creating your own team and you're hiring people, you should be mentoring and letting them grow into the person that you expect them to be. Sometimes you get somebody on a team that is inherently poison to the team. Yes. And they're poisoning the well. Yes. Uh, I legitimately had a, a team where I missed that. Okay. I, I missed the fact that I had a poison team member. Yes. I knew there was something going on, but I couldn't pinpoint where yes. it was coming from. What was the source? And we had a high turnover. Yes. It wasn't until I finally got to the source, one of the longest term employees who put on a good front and seemed like a good employee. Yes. I was able to finally realize, hey, they're actually the one poisoning the well. They're the ones that are spreading all the issues and causing uh, uh, the lack of team unity. And yeah. once once that poison from the well was removed, they they ultimately ended up firing themselves. Sure, uh, which sure. is a, a term I like to use because I don't I never fire anybody. That's right. If you if you get to a point where you fire yourself, that's on you. And you know what? I, I love that. And I'm going to reinforce that because that's we, we as a society, we've lost sight of that as well. It's like a teacher giving you a grade. No, you earned a grade one way or the other. The teacher did not go into that profession with the expectation to fail you know, fail an individual. And I right. don't care if it's at college, if it's at your GED class, if it's in your, you know, your, your middle school or high school position, that teacher did not have an ax to grind about against you necessarily. Correct. Y you, you earned some type of perspective or grade or interest or whatever it might be. So an individual firing themselves. So that's real quick. I did inherit a team. Uh, my very first uh, big boy job right out of college. And I know exactly what you're saying. And it's funny. I draw upon that for other positive reasons. Yeah. 
but I know exactly I, I, I inherited that team and I was told that I had a toxic employee and they did not want to get rid of this individual. Uh, it was just my job to deal with them. That was challenging. So, and that, that in essence was how this happened. It was the, I was told that there was a, a big toxic issue in there. They thought it was the previous leader. They literally fired the previous leader and, and when they hired me, that sure. it, was, it was a changing of the guards. They thought that would take care of the problem. They thought it was a previous leader. While I think part of it was that previous leader, um, it was also the long-term employee that was friends with that previous leader. Sure. Uh, and, and the the thing that to me was the most important to, to realize with Team Unity is that I worked with this guy above and beyond trying to make him into a quality employee. Yes. Um, this is the first time in, in my entire career that I ever had an employee. Uh, and I'm just going to, I'm going to explain the scenario uh, because I, my blood boiled, but I did not react the way that a manager would react. Okay. Um, so this employee that I was having issues keeping the, the employee lounge clean. Uh, and I kept asking employees, hey, if everybody just chips in, cleans up after themselves, no big deal. Sure. Nothing was happening. It just kept getting worse. So finally, I made a to-do list and I assigned tasks. I said, hey, on your shift, I need you to do this. I need you to do this. And I need you to do this. And I assigned it out to different people. Yes. I'm talking as simple as, hey, it's your night to clean the microwave. Yep. Wipe down the microwave. That's that's clean, all I was asking. Wipe down the coffee pot. Make sure there's not grinds in it. Whatever. The next morning, I come in and it is so much worse i literally the employee i specifically asked them to clean up the microwave for that night that was their only task they literally purposely boiled over spaghettios or chef boyardee or whatever and just plastered the microwave with the red tomato sauce oh my goodness so now so now i'm my blood's boiling and i'm i'm like nope we just gotta breathe through this i wait till the employee comes in for his his shift and when he came in I approached him, said, hey, let's let's go have a conversation. Tell me what happened with the microwave. <laughs> and well, this was at a, a badged facility. The employee held up his badge and said, does this say janitor on it? Yeah. Does this say cleaning? My badge doesn't say that. That's not my responsibility. You can't make me do that. <laughs> it was at that moment that I knew we were going to have further issues with him. And, I, and that's that was when I learned that he was actually the source of the to- sure. toxic problem. It took until that moment. And then from there, I said, okay, I understand your concern with that, but I'm also going to tell you that I'm not your mother and I'm not here to clean up after you either. Right. The janitors aren't paid to clean our, our break area. Sure. That's, that is our responsibility to maintain a clean environment for your fellow workers, employees. Right. We talked it out. He seemed okay with it. Uh, it was only a few weeks later. I found out he was throwing stuff at another employee in in a fit of rage over something. And so we pulled him in for another meeting. And I told him at that point that, you know, we've had multiple instances. I've tried to work through them. We're going to have to let you go. And it became a big scene, like total blowout scene. Wow. And eventually... Uh, I, I allowed him to make the decision to resign rather than than firing him. Sure. Because he did put in five years. He was uh, uh, always on time for his shift. He was always there. He was, in spirit, a good employee. He sure. just was not a good fit for that 
role. Sure. Sure, so sure, we sure. worked with him and 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 allowed him to move on to bigger and better things. No, well, that's that's a way to phrase it, right? Yeah, that's a way to phrase it. And I'm, I'm curious with with this individual. And, and so when we actually talk about tools in our tool belt, did you at any point in time use a formal documentation process to do a, a behavior modification plan? Every time. OK, so every time that we had an instance, uh, I always I have a a. a what uh, typically is known as a write-up. Um, I will do the first paragraph describing the company policy, mm-hmm. the second paragraph describing how the policy was broken, right. and the third paragraph is the corrections that are needed to address it so that's not a problem in the future. Sure. Keep it keep it one sheet. And, and it's and all factual. Mm-hmm. And it's, there's no opinion or bias. It's, oh, you're a bad employee because of this. Or it's not a, sure. nothing like that. It's, hey, this was a policy. This is how it was broken. Right. The time and date, what happened. Right. And then this is what we need to do so that doesn't happen again. Right. And if you're listening and you're not big enough to have uh, SOP, standard operating practices or policies, procedures, whatever your P wants to be in that process, uh, you can still do a similar tool. Um, <clears throat> I know that one of my friends and listeners uh, has had to do this with a number of their employees. They also inherited, you know, a workforce. Yeah. And, uh, whether you call it a write-up, a behavior modification plan, a job, a, a, a procedures and rule expectation plan, whatever action notice, action, action plan, whatever, whatever up church words you want to use, correct, right? And and that's that's going to be your fit. Uh, and we could probably get into the specifics of those words, but we all know the type of document we're Just talking. Don't do about. it on a pink piece of paper, scares yeah. people, right? Right. <laughs> that 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 you have to have that tangible tool in your tool belt, right? And uh, you need that so that you can, it's not just a conversation and that there's a lack of of clarity in the conversation. I think the other thing that's really valuable if you're in that position, either through conversation or written notice, ask the employee to respond back to what they believe the modification needs to be. So to seeking clarification to make sure that the lens that you both are looking at the incident through is shared, because that's ultimately the biggest challenge with perspective of humans. And I think that really plays critical into the team unity. Uh, So in those instances where I, I would have to discipline someone, I would not just throw a write up in front of them and say, hey, we're going through this with you. I literally kept it in a folder and I did not always issue it, even though I had it pre-written up Mm. because I would sit down with the employee and I'd say, tell me what happened. Sure. Tell me your version of this from your perspective. Yes. And I would, I would make sure that in the conversation, a, that my understanding of the situation is the same as theirs or similar enough. Yes. B, there was actually violations or, or behaviors that need to be modified. Yes. And then see it's appropriate to follow up with the documented conversation at that point or leave it as just a verbal conversation. Sure. And yeah. and that build it builds a lot of respect from your your team yeah. because you're not just coming in and chastising well, and throwing the, a fit about it. Absolutely. And the thing the the good and the bad about the verbal conversation is sometimes through consistent communication, just that actual talking points, you will 
continue to create the shared lens that you're looking in on uh, the the task or the activity. Yes. Now, the challenge is if you're listening to us and you have that individual who is challenging or creating some potential toxicity in your work environment or your committee or whatever, then you cannot use that incident, that incident, quote unquote, against them, right? You cannot then say, well, on this date, you did blah, 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 because it becomes just highly arbitrary unless you actually documented it, unless you actually uh, established a couple formal procedures. Remember that one time that you flipped out because, you know, the popcorn burnt in the microwave and you threw the bowl? In the in the in the employee lounge, and it it whizzed past the other employee's head. You don't, you don't get to bring that up if it hadn't been documented. documented. Correct, right? That's so valuable, and that's part of being a good leader is the fact that we're working with what I call tangible, what we can actually reach out and touch scenarios and situations. Saying on this date at this time in this conversation, we did blah. Right? And not not only did we document it, but we gave you a copy of it as well, and yeah. you signed off on it. Yeah. And that is that's going to be the most successful way. And I also think it's really valuable to kind of, uh, if you will, compartmentalize that conversation to say, this is just a a formal procedure that's going to help us communicate. I'm actually going to talk about uh, with along those lines in team unity and making sure that things are are there's a, tr- a tremendous amount or as much of clarity in your approach as possible. And I'm going, I'm just going to quickly say that's tying right into poor communication being uh, another barrier. So I think that that's kind of crossing. I think we're naturally crossing because this next uh, scenario is a a, a highly personal one. It's actually about how we operated uh, in our early years, our startup of our parent company. And it's going to go from team unity uh, and, and, and tying into poor communication because in our approach as automotive enthusiasts, oftentimes individuals are uh, trading parts or buying and selling parts. And the, the concept of traded goods and services is, you know, as, as old as time, right? There was, before there was actual, you know, exchange of, of money, there was, you know, exchange of goods right. and services. And, and so oftentimes I hear startup businesses wanting to get into, oh, you know, a landscaper will trade off, you know, doing this yard for the installation uh, of the, you know, the plumber's yard for the plumber putting a toilet in. Yep. So <clears throat> in my own specific situation, and I'll, and I'll talk about how to do that right, and we'll start at a very grassroots or organic level, and then we'll move to the bigger conversation. Uh, in our, our own situation, one of my best friends and cohorts in the automotive business, we would oftentimes trade parts back and forth. And then we got to the point where there was time involved, labor, and labor of disassembly of parts or vehicle or use of a tool or a trailer or some type of tangible good that one of the parties owned. Right. And so... In along that process, when we're talking about I have some goods and you have some goods, yeah, and we could use those to advance each other, yep. So long as again, 
we're using pluralistic conversation. We, right? Us, we, and ours. Our process is going to, you know, we're working towards this. And so uh, we have to be on that same page. That poor communication oftentimes has to do with the fact that appropriate expectations aren't established Mm -hmm. and that there is a lack of follow-up, follow-through, or uh, documentation. Correct. It, it kind of circles back to those concepts that we were talking about with the, with the, the formalities. And so specifically, uh, so my best friend was performing a service for me. He was disassembling vehicles. I would then take those parts and I would list them for sale uh, and, and sell them and get the return on the parts that were disassembled. For him, he was looking for compensation either in some form of parts uh, that he wanted for his own projects or finances or use of going to do X, Y, and Z activity together. Yeah. Right. Um, and so what we eventually got to, and we, we jokingly go back to this conversation that there was a lot of people in our positions who actually got their feelings very much involved and going, they felt they contributed more, right? I did a lot more service to you than what you've paid me for that I got out of this. Yeah. Because of just a lack of communication or poor communication between those invested parties, right? They're, They're invested. They were the we, us, ours, right? They started there, they were invested in each other. And then all of a sudden, because of that barrier, because of that poor communication, um, they... I'm going to take it a step further. Not only poor communication, but fear of confrontation. Sure. Because you could have exactly that. And one party thinking everything's going great. The other party's, you know, going, hey, I'm being taken advantage of. But if they don't speak up, that's part of that communication. Co- correct. And, and, but it's also on the leader. Uh, if you're if you're dealing with a team, the leader needs to be able to sit down and have those conversations to make sure that you the, do have to kind of look into your crystal ball and attempt to identify those scenarios. Yeah. To ch- attempt to get ahead of them. Correct. Right. That's what concept. That's what podcasts like this and conversations like these will benefit people to try and get ahead of these situations. Yeah. Right. Because, again, there's a lot of people who are going into these relationships thinking that everything is copacetic, correct? Right, because again, the perspective we're bringing. Meanwhile, the other individual, and I know plenty of these people who their feelings are hurt because, well, I gave more to this relationship than this person returned. That could be in a, a, a spousal situation, but that can also be in a work-related, absolutely, uh, relationship. For us, it came down to the fact that we would set expectation to say, if I'm going to give you uh, three hours of my time. It's going to be worth $60. Yeah. Right. And, but I want blah part from you that's worth $100. Yeah. Right. And so we actually got to the point where we, where that individual would do their, you know, say their three hours to oversimplify the, the, the scenario. They would do their three hours. I would hand them. Sixty dollars, uh, and then they would basically hand that right back to me, and I would hand them the part. Yep, and you know potentially a hey, you got two more hours of of, of do this job, and and we're we're settled up. Yeah, um, it's, or it's much better than the the horse trading and assuming that everything's good. Sure, sure, or 
you know, they would hand me another 20 bucks. Right. Yep. And so at that point in time, we have this physical exchange that concretes this relationship. Right. Yeah. That's a formality. And so when it comes to the write ups or the tools within your workplace or your committee or organization, those those tools are exactly that. They just solidify. They just concrete the nature of a healthy relationship. Yeah. They're not meant. And, and that's the problem. I remember the first time I got written up uh, by a big corporation and I was my feelings were hurt and HR. I God love you if you're if you're working for HR and you're listening to us. But HR, in my joking opinion, doesn't have feelings. No. They just, <laughs> they're just working through policies and procedures that the company has established. Correct. Right. And if you as an employee don't like those policies and procedures, then you work within the confines of your uh, best of your abilities to change those things at, at the at the upper level of your business. Right. But you don't undermine them. You don't sow seeds of toxicity. I feel the same way about if you're working within a township or a town or a city zoning ordinance, that it is your privilege to be in that space. So if you're if you got hired in at X, Y and Z corporate uh, entity or you built your business in Blah Township, then you have the responsibility to say, I I accept this position. Yep. And and if I don't like what's happening, then I have to work within the confines of that company or that community to create change. Yes. Right. So I remember getting written up and I remember my feelings getting hurt for HR. That was just they were just doing their job. They didn't really they're going, Neil, you were the one who used inappropriate language in a in a brief conversation uh, with HR. I didn't even remember being curt right. in my process. I, I authentically didn't. Right. But they had documentation and they had this and that. And um, I was uh, I, I honestly, I, I got I don't swear a lot, but I had actually gotten written up for swearing in a phone conversation with another adult at at corporate HR. And I I I, I recognize that. And I talk about that for my own situation, because uh, for me, the fact that that word slipped out in a brief conversation, in fact, I use it in a positive demeanor. I, I said, you really know your your blank. Yeah. Uh, they were just fulfilling the policies and procedures. So, you know, if you, if you, can't, you get nothing out of this in a humorous manner, don't swear when you're talking to HR. Uh, but, but realistically, the actual write-up process taught me that this is not about emotions or feelings or anything like that. This is about upholding policies and procedures that we all agreed upon. The company created those procedures. You accepted them when you took your role or position there. Correct. So the tool for the company was to say, hey, there's this formal process. It comes back to, hey, there's this formal process for us exchanging goods. It is the idea to create a clear communication, to avoid poor communication. Correct. To avoid, uh, you know, feelings getting involved because I did not understand what was happening, right? Because of that communication piece. And, and kind of my last point before we end up transitioning is I want to say it's appropriate that rules are there, but it's also appropriate that as, as a leader, you have to understand slight exceptions to that rule. In that situation, just coming at you and writing you up because you said a, a swear word Absolutely. is not the correct approach. 
Uh, and, and my personal belief is when you write somebody up or you give them an action notice or behavior modification, whatever you want to call yes. it, they should feel good at the end of that meeting. Yes. If you can make them feel good about it, you've developed enough trust, enough rapport, enough team unity, and your communication has been clear that they will feel good about it. If they leave that meeting mad, yes, you've done nothing. You've, I, you've on, almost set yourself further behind. Yes. Because now they're mad at you. They're mad at the company. They're mad at everything. And I think, you know, Jeffrey, that is a fantastic point that um, if you were you know, listening to my story and you're, you're sharing or identifying with that, or you're like, oh yeah, I can see where, you know, Neil's got a point. Uh, understand what Jeffrey just clarified or added is exactly how I felt. And I'm going to say because that is because of uh, the corporate breakdown in leadership and communication. Yes. So that, that there is actually a problem, right? And that was a problem. The fact that I did not know I was getting written up for inappropriate language on because of a phone call that I had with HR. And again, I used the word in a positive manner, affirming this individual for being doing a, a good job. Yeah. Right. And so the the challenge was that one day I basically got a phone call and it was like, Hey, we need you to come down to, to corporate. We were kind of satellited at the time. We need you to come down to, to corporate. Uh, you have a meeting at 9 a.m. We'll discuss the details further then. I, I had no preparation. Now, for my own anxiety, that probably was best. But I went into the meeting. Already panicking? No. Oh. Thinking that I was going to have, like, some positive experience. Well, that's good. At least that, uh, at least that you went into it thinking that. Because oftentimes, a company sets such a negative expectation that that phone call the sends you, into dread. sends you into dread i get that it was just the fact that it could have been something it could have been handled very differently right and i think it was weird in the sense that that it, i'm not trying to justify my use of swearing in a in a professional environment you but, just really want to be able to swear at hr i know right doesn't everybody <laughs> <laughs> but but the issue was the fact that I was blindsided. Yeah. And and there was really no other recourse other than, you know, I had to take my lumps. And, and of course, I'm going, okay, well, I probably shouldn't have sworn with HR. I, I get that. Right, you know? right. But realistically, what you just followed through on is a potential breakdown with uh, the corporate environment that could that have just been a conversation uh, I was a young and enthusiastic leader. I had been, I had inherited that team. Yeah. I was, uh, arguably, I was fresh out of college and I was in a rugged environment that was paid for by a corporate entity, right? So I was working in a densely urban environment doing outreach programming, but for a highly professional corporate entity. Yes. Right? They were paying the bills. I was doing the footwork. And- so not to say that I should be allowed to swear at HR, but could that have been a conversation to say, hey, you know what? We really expect a higher level of professionalism right. when we interact with each other instead of just being blindsided with a write up. So that's, you know, I don't want to dwell on the subject and, and tell those stories much further than I already have because, yeah. you know, I don't want to beat the subject into the ground. But the idea of what you were saying is, can we have just that 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 verbal conversation 
and then upon repeat behaviors, then use the tools in our toolbox to create the tangible written communication to create that team unity, right? right. Could could that have actually created more team unity if I wouldn't have been blindsided, right? They Absolutely. Could, they could do all the, the we, us, hours. It could have been a very positive experience. It could have been a positive experience. Could have been an appropriate phone call. Instead, I was blindsided with a write-up. So, yeah. Uh, and that's to say that there will be negative experiences in the workplace. And you no cannot make everybody happy. You you can Always. go into it with the full intent of a, a positive end, and you're still going to have occasionally an employee that's upset or mad or the feelings are hurt. But if you've built enough trust, you've built enough rapport yes. with your team, and you've built that team unity, that little bit of anger will kind of disappear. Will absolutely dissipate in the process. Folks, we have covered... Lack of team unity. Again, my my big uh, takeaway is we us ours, and uh, and and focusing on people's perspectives or shared lenses at which you look at a task. Additionally, poor commu- uh, how do you overcome poor communication? There is the the idea that once we have made sure that the individual is invested in our process that we then have those initial conversations when appropriate, but escalate to written and tangible tools in our toolbox to assist uh, our fellow uh, fellow employees in you know working towards a sh- our shared goal as a business. So we've covered poor communication and lack of team unity. We're gonna come into a third series next program and we'll be discussing, there's no I in team, which means you got to put your ego. You got to check your ego at the door. I had a football coach. That was his, it was his battle cry. You leave your ego at the door when you enter the locker room. And then uh, we will get into that delegation, which uh, we're going to, is going to share a lot of talking points with ego, I believe. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, but we don't want to keep this going any further because I really Love the quote of the week. If you did not know, this is one of those pieces that Jeffrey on the production side uh, finds a quote that is thought provoking, sometimes related to our subject or or oftentimes related to the subject at hand. And uh, I make sure not to look at it, uh, though it is on my production notes. He does a good job, Uh, (laughs) but I make sure not to look at it so that I am experiencing it with you, the listener, uh, at the same time. All right. We're going to transition. And this is my world now. If your actions create a legacy that inspires others to dream more, learn more, do more, and become more, then you are an excellent leader. And that's Dolly Parton. I love Dolly. Right? She has done so much to uh, push bounds, to, uh, you know, to break barriers. And absolutely leave a a legacy while doing it, right? So absolutely. the idea to so, so circle back to what you were saying, like rules being meant to be bent or broken, right? And and you and I are are two peas in a pod when it comes to yes, <laughs> yes, I understand there are rules. And yes, I know it's okay to break them. <laughs> yes, I know that I want to push them to the very <laughs> uncomfortable edge, right? And so we we recognize that. Uh, we also recognize a lot of personal responsibility in that process. Correct. Dolly is that, right? Oh, and yes. She has done so much to uh, increase uh, reading awareness across America. Oh, and I thought and it was important to use a quote from her because of what they're doing right now with that. What What's that? So there is a contest across the world. Seven books are going to have a special bookmark in it when they get shipped out. Huh. 
So for those kids, like Willy Wonka and the Golden that's Ticket, exactly it. Yeah, uh, they're going to get a chance to to meet with Dolly. I, I think virtually, but I mean, there's sure. all these different things to it. If you get that lucky bookmark, there's I I if I read it correctly, remember correctly, it was seven bookmarks that are going to be hidden in the books that she ships out every month. How cool! So how cool! Yeah, and and. I know that those are actually free books. They so are that's, free. That's, that's really important to know. Willy Wonka, you had to go buy the chocolate bar. Correct. Right? Dolly just wants to give you books. She you know? wants to encourage reading, yes. learning, growth. She is encouraging you to become a better leader. Yes. And I'll, I'll read it again just because I want it to sink in. And it's a great quote. If your actions create a legacy that inspires others to dream more, learn more, do more, and become more, then you are an excellent leader. That is is super cool and and really does help conceptualize, uh, you know, positive, po- positive leadership expectations. Well, and it talks specifically about uh, your behaviors as a person. Yes. And not your role. Yes. And that is what makes a good leader is your behaviors, not your roles. Correct. And that's that's really the uh, I think one of the root things of being a good leader is is being. Uh, you know, we all hear the term as a kid, but being a role model, right? That mm-hmm. you cannot show up to work and be a jerk and expect to run a successful business committee organization, whatever. Correct. And that is the thing you talk about behaviors. You can be a phenomenal, uh, you know, technician, craftsman, uh, you know, HR, accountant, whatever the role might be. But if your behavior is unbecoming, then you will only create an unbecoming environment. Correct. I love it. All right, Jeffrey, this was a great conversation. This was number series. uh, uh, This was number two, the conversation number two out of our series about barriers to effective leadership. You're not going to want to miss that third and uh, and potentially final, at least in this little succinct series about barriers to effective leadership. We've had a great time uh, talking about team unity and poor communication. And when we return next week, we'll be talking about the ego and delegation. As I had mentioned earlier, we want you to be part of this conversation. You can email Jeff at J-E-F-F-C at S-F-J for x4.com that's jeff c at sfj 4x4.com or you can hit us up on our text only number 440-855-2100 let us know how we're doing and what you thought about the topic at hand if you have a idea or conversation that you think would be beneficial in the future we want to know about it we're here to talk about it unpack it a little bit digest it and share it back with you in a a way that utilizes uh, our wealth of experience. I've had a great time with you all. I hope that you join us again. Again, tell your friends, tell your neighbor, get out there and get hungry. And stay hungry. The American dream is not dead. We wanna help you along the way. With over 40 years of combined leadership experience, we want to help you succeed. Share your stories, ask us questions, and believe in the American dream. Through heart and hustle, we will show you the path of success and hopefully have a little fun along the way. You can email us at jeffc at sfj4x4.com or text us at 440 
855-2100. Until next time, lead with your heart and keep hustling.